Hey. Um, your sister's here. Which one? Dom. Oh, I know. Looks awesome. You know yeah. Yeah, I saw your kid jump off of a bridge yesterday He's into water. jumping off. Etienne wouldn't do it. <laughs> Which is frightening. Yeah, Etienne's brave. He is brave. Kieran but is now I, becoming I, the brave. I was person. I was told us that Etienne is brave and he'll try stuff, but he also has he's very conscious of his own limits, and so Got he's it. like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not. There's and no way I'm jumping. I mean, that was a serious jump. That's a jump off into. Uh, it's also into the Mad River in 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 uh in Vermont, which is gets its name because it's a heavy current. So wow. it's yeah so. I mean, that's the last thing you guys need is for your son to become brave. Like yeah. that kind of brave. Like, swept, yeah, I'll jump off the bridge. Yeah, you swept or swept away by yeah. the Mad River. <laughs> Apparently oh the, the, the the guy who runs it was like, Okay, here's here's a here's a test. I'll buy you guys all ice cream this week if any any one of you can pass this test, which was to cross the river from one side to the other. And right. nobody could do it because of the current. Wow. <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah. Do they have like water wings on or something? They, they, everybody, <laughs> you have to wear uh, yeah, life preserver. Oh, <laughs> wow, looks well, fun though. Cool, man. Yeah. Remember All right. When, remember when we used to go to camp? Uh, no. Yeah, me either. <laughs> nope. C camp was the backyard. Yeah, right. Camp was. Uh, here's your bike. I'll see yeah. you later. Yeah, yeah. So see you at dinner. <laughs> yeah. Camp. See you at dinner. Um. Okay. What are we getting into? All right. Um. Well. You know, your friend and mine, Donald Rumsfeld, died this week, so I, I figure we should talk about his, his legacy and, um, you know, maybe Afghanistan. R.I.P. Rums. <laughs> the other Donald. Ugh. All right, let's do it. This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. This week we're going to be talking about the global war on terror. Is it ending? I don't know. But Donald Rumsfeld died and we're apparently getting out of Afghanistan. But what does that really mean? Let's talk about it. Mission accomplished. All right. Rumsies. Rum, yeah. is, rum, little Rumsies is gone. Like, yeah. does he go right to hell or um, purgatory? I'm he, I am hoping, you know, if Dante's right, he's going to be in purgatory for for a while, just like burning on fire. Wait, so in, da in Dante's Inferno, if yeah. you're going to hell, you still go to purgatory first? Everybody goes to purgatory, like but judgment like place. people, some people are like there for like a sec and then they just go straight up. And right. other people, um, and but and then there's some people who actually the the worst is those people who are the the righteous. What does he call them? The righteous uh, pagans like Aristotle, mm. right? Aristotle born before Jesus, so you know no fault of his own, but he didn't know Jesus, so he's not going to heaven. So right. he's stuck in purgatory forever because he's not <laughs> baptized. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't have you know he doesn't have the the kiss of Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But Rumsey um Rumsey was a Christian and if if and again if Dante's right I hope he's in excruciating pain right now. So you burn um, in purgatory too? You can. There's different levels. There's di you know there's so many different gradations of punishment. Like like Aristotle's not getting pain there. He's just stuck in limbo. He just doesn't get to like float he's, on a cloud naked yeah, with a harp. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I get it. He's, he's just, just like kind bored. Of like, yeah, he's just yeah. He's probably like, <laughs> well, you know, this is the thing about his philosophy, right? It's self-contained. Like he's just philosophizing. So he, maybe he's happy. I don't know. 
Um, but Rumsfeld, yeah. So uh, Donald Rumsfeld, there was a piece that just came out in The Atlantic, um, which actually really kind of made me mad because it was written uh, by this guy, George Packer. Uh, do you know who George Packer is? Have you heard of him? I know the name. Okay. So he's like one of the most prominent American journalists. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, think like Jane Meyer of mm -hmm. the New Yorker, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, sure I've read his stuff. Um, Tony Coates, you know, like mm -hmm. that level stuff. Used to be um, at the time of the Afghanistan war and the Iraq war and 9-11, he was a New Yorker writer. And uh, so he wrote this piece. Now he's at him. He's like a senior writer at The Atlantic. And he wrote this piece, How Donald Rumsfeld Should Be Remembered, right? And in that piece, he makes the, the, the absolutely correct claim that Donald Rumsfeld was one of the, if not the worst, um, Secretary of Defense in American history. Mm -hmm. um, not only because he was belligerent um, and always looking for a fight, um, but also because he was incompetent and every war he started turned to a, a, an utter mess, yeah. right? And so, yeah. and even, you know, in the execution of the war, what he did was made, made it worse, right? Um, what, what this very kind of like sly um, argument and little piece that's put out by George Packer conveniently forgets is that George Packer was one of the most important liberal hawks during the run-up to the Iraq war and was all about the Iraq war even after Gu Guantanamo was created even after um, Abu Ghraib came out he was still pro Iraq war until 2005 this is George Packer right so he's kind of using and I think a lot of people are doing this using the death of Rumsfeld to wash his own reputation sure uh, and to sort of you know, make us forget that, oh, here's the sort of classic liberal, right? This is an, an, an example of like the establishment, quote unquote, left in America, um, who, who wants to, who thinks after 9-11, the solution is to kill Iraqis, right? Like that's, that's effectively your argument, right? Um, but, you know, the thing about what he gets right, though, and I think what we should talk about is that Rumsfeld, the first thing um, that we should remember is that Donald Rumsfeld uh, not only wanted to prosecute a war um, in Iraq, um, kind of on the cheap, right? And if you, if we, we need to rewind, it's been a while now, but if you remember, the argument that was made was the Iraq war was going to pay for itself because we were going to pilfer the oil. Uh, and so it's kind of like, you know, a neutral on, 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 on the credit card. Um, and then uh, in terms of the actual execution of the war, it had to be a sort of light footprint. Um, and, you know, within a few weeks, you know, mission accomplished, right? That was literally what happened. Um, and that's all due to his wartime planning and execution, right? That even in Colin Powell, big problem as well. He should not be remembered favorably um, because he was the salesman um, for something that he probably knew was wrong, but he did it anyway. Um, but he did say that, you know, the, the whole you, you break it, you own it. And his argument, the, the Powell doctrine, uh, was that if you're going to go invade a country and occupy it, you need to go in with like at least a half a million guys. Right. Um, if not, if not more. Right. Um, and, you know. Donald Rumsfeld said no, like 30,000, right? And guess what? <laughs> it turned into an insurgency and a civil war. Um, 
600,000 Iraqis dead and counting, uh, let alone the millions dis displaced, dispossessed, children without arms and limbs. Um, um, and, you know, and there's, it's still not a sort of stable um, part of the world, mm -hmm. right? So this is, um, this is the legacy of this guy, right? I think even, <laughs> even Donald Trump said right the iraq war was wrong right mm -hmm. so there seems to be kind of a consensus was like yeah that was a giant mistake right never mind that people were saying it at the time and weren't listened to but at least now that it's kind of understood in retrospect like yeah that was a, a bad not so with the afghan war right people there's a lot of people who are still like yeah I mean, you know, it, it's unfortunate this you know afghanistan is the graveyard of empires etc and this always happens but afghanistan should have been attacked after 9-11 because that's where bin laden's caves were and the taliban were sort of harboring and sort of hosting them right and therefore there had to be regime change um i don't know what do you, what is your perspective on that like it's it's hard to get back in that moment you know like the like on on afghanistan like i was against the invasion back then mm -hmm. still against it now but uh I'm, i might be in the minority i don't know yeah i i think i don't remember but my guess would be that i was probably pro mm -hmm. afghanistan war because we got, we got, they hyped us up, dude. Like, you know, this is why I'm like jaded and angry as right. a 41 year old guy. It's like, I was, I think I was in college and yeah. I remember like it was, there was, they were to blame. And yeah. we, we were like, we got to fuck somebody up. Like the Twin Towers are gone. And I was a young and an idiot. But back then my philosophy would have been like, bomb them, dude. Right. You know, because, you know, as a young idiot, especially in, in this country, you don't really think about what that means. Right. Um, but definitely, I I I vaguely remember kind of feeling pumped about it. Like, we, of course, we're like, oh, Bin Laden's in Afghanistan. Like, we got to go fuck them up. Um, so I think a lot of people got duped. I, uh, I, am, I am at this point in my life very anti-war. I mean, you would need to, we would need to, like, have airplanes dropping bombs here for me to be like let's go i mean really like even even around the world where horrible stuff's happening i still feel like can't we just like not trade with them and starve them of money and you know i think there are other capable there are other ways to fight war without like young men and women like shooting each other um but you know it's the afghanistan war is one of those things where i think at this point in time, we all have to understand that it was a huge blunder. I mean, if you don't, I don't know how you justify like a, a win. I mean, I think World War II was the last win, which you're like, yeah, we won. We stopped Hitler from taking over the world and killing Jews, and you know that that's a win. I think I think people could feel, and this is going to sound weird, but I think you could feel good about that war in a sense, right? Like we had to fight, we had to go. Uh, what war has been won since then? You know, people have died. Like countries have been bombed. Um, families have lost loved ones. But like, what's Vietnam today? What what's Korea? Um, what's Afghanistan? What's Iraq? Like, so to be able to, to to sit and justify we had to do it means you're just blind and you don't really understand how things get accomplished because. 
what what do you mean we had to do it? We had to kill six hundred thousand people or I don't even I think Afghanistan is way higher than that, right? Well, Afghanistan is is that it's they're not, count, not counting. It's not yeah, and well, that's the thing. That's another thing is that the, yeah. the actual accounting of the the death yeah. um is is very shaky. Um uh, because what counts as war deaths right. um, and civilian and, and civilian deaths also is, I would argue, is very miscounted. And sure, sure, sure. So, right? yeah, um, with, without a doubt. But but to to finish that statement, it's like what you what you what you don't take into account is the cost of everything else with a war. Right to say we had to is to not truly understand the consequence of what you've done to the world and and the instability of a region. Right, right. not that the Taliban were doing a good job. We're not defending that, but it's worse. All that whole area is worse today than when we went there, and that's a failure. Yeah. There's no way to to to, to justify that. If, well, if it's worse off, then you've lost. The the grand irony, I think you're exactly right, is that it's worse off. Um, it's coming on 20 years this year, right? Um, you know, 9-11 was 20 years ago this September, and we started that war in November. Um, and it is much worse off because of the loss of life, the destruction, um, the, the scrambling of the already fragile political framework that was already there and social fabric that was there. Mm. Um, and guess what? Who are we dealing with to do the handoff? The Taliban, Taliban yep. right? So, you know, and, and, and again, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's uh, Vietnam all over again. Sure. Right. And just in the same way as you know, the Americans, as you know, some of the Pentagon papers kind of reported, like they knew they couldn't win the war, but they couldn't say it. And they had to continue the war because they wanted to save Vietnam, face, dude. Right. And so the same thing is like, it was kind of understood like, okay, to get out of here, we're going to have to deal with the Taliban, but we can't deal with the Taliban because that's the whole reason we're here. And that'll make us look really bad. So we're just going to keep the war rolling on. Right. And here we are two decades later and we're, actually going to be dealing with the Taliban and have been right so it's it you know and, and again like how many American kids had to be deployed on this thing over and over again um, with our volunteer army no draft things would have been different it would have been 20-year war if we had a draft I'll tell you that um, but um, you know and then and then the other side of course of all the Afghanis you know who are who are who are, who are dying as well what? not to mention yeah not to mention the, the obviously the gross loss of life, but the loss of art, the loss of history, the loss of buildings. I mean, this is you don't think about that stuff, right? Like Iraq, like the, like the Middle East, it's ancient, and yeah. and it's Syria. All it's it's just bombed away. There's there's things that are that were invaluable that are lost. I mean, yeah. these are all consequences of war. It's not just who wins and loses. It's it's the loss of 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 history. It's yeah. really. And I don't know. I mean, to sit and justify it, you're probably getting into it because we're going to talk about Rumsey, but like, that's the problem with with us is that we're not mad. Like, we should be furious right now. Right now, there should be an uproar about blaming people for this. But we're just like, eh, fuck it. They're withdrawing. It's a disaster. The Taliban are taking over airports there. And okay, whatever. Right. That's so crazy. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? So 
to talk about Iraq really quickly in terms of loss, right? So Iraq um, was, you know, obviously this is, you know, Mesopotamia, right? This is what we're talking about, right? This is, this is ancient, ancient, ancient civilization. That ancient. Going there. You know, like Babylon, all that. That's, yeah. that's Iraq, right? Um, and then even if we get into the sort of late Middle Ages around, you know, the ninth century, Baghdad was like the flower of, you know, Islamic civilization and, you know, libraries, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, the Mongols did some stuff there too and destroyed a lot, but, but a lot of it was still preserved. Um, but when the Americans came, right. <laughs> um, and you had something called the, the coalition, uh, provisional authority, the CPA, and this was, uh, Paul Bremer and so on, who was running things, who knew nothing about Iraq, except that he wanted to attack it. Um, and, and he was eff effectively the American governor of, of, of Iraq. Um, they, they had two things that they did right away. Um, uh, CPA one coalition uh, provisional authority uh, dictate one and two and the first one and I might be getting the order wrong but they came out within the days of each other the first one was to get rid of the Ba'ath party um, which was you know Saddam Hussein's party political party and um, you know coalition and etc and the second one was to disband uh, the Iraqi army right um, and so what you did was, and the arg argument here was that you decapitate the political state uh, by getting rid of the, the, the ruling party, mm -hmm. uh, and then you defang their coercive arm by getting rid of the army, right? Mm -hmm. What they ended up doing, however, is that they sent hundreds of thousands of mostly young men home with their weapons, by the way, mm -hmm. um, and then um, to a, a non-functioning Iraq, with no jobs, no electricity, um, infrastructure destroyed, um, and then an American garrison uh, creating the green zone right in, in central Baghdad, right, where things worked. Um, and so what you have after within a year, of course, is a bunch of people who are dispossessed, lost their jobs, and guess what? They have guns. Mm -hmm. um, and you get the insurgency and all of those kind of um, elements of the former army become not all of them but many of them become what becomes isis and isis comes kills loots and destroys a lot of these um you know precious documents and 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 you know all sorts of things in syria that are seen as like anti-islam they've got this like you know this hard edge uh absolutist uh, islamic view um that's like totally mangled um but they so a lot of iraqi civilization is getting destroyed by the fact of American rule in the immediate occupation. Mm -hmm. And bringing it back to our friend Donald Rumsfeld, uh, is that when this looting and stuff happened right away, right when the Americans rolled into Baghdad, um, there's a quote that, that Rumsfeld said, looting is the prelude to freedom. <laughs> That was his explanation. Oh, my God. Looting is the prelude to freedom. Mm. Um, and so you get, you know, these 8th century manuscripts, all that kind of stuff, gone. Because that's that's freedom, American style, right? You know, so um, I don't know. With, Not to mention the green lighting of torture. Yeah, no. I mean, the the torture, there's a, there's a memo that's been kind of... Um, making the round since his death. I actually put it on our last uh, table talk. Um, and, it's, and it's about 
the torture memos that were coming out of um, uh, the OLC, the Office of Legal Counsel, John Yu and these people who were, who were basically defined, for those who don't remember, defined torture um, as only being intentional infliction of pain on the order of organ failure or death. Everything else is not torture, right? So that's how they narrowly they defined it. Um, and so when Rumsfeld is the Secretary of Defense, he gets you know a statement from the OLC and, and the Pentagon lawyers saying, okay, these are the things we're going to do. And he writes in the marginal notes, he's like, I, I work at a standing desk for eight to 10 hours a day. Why can we, why do we have to only make them stand for four hours and stop? Right. So he's already like pushing. He's like, let's, oh, and, and like, also it's, it's this kind of like megalomania or like egomania that what I do in my life at this fancy, you know, secretary of defense office, because I can stand for eight to 10 hours is similar to some guy in a dungeon. Um, you know, who's, who's been kept with up dogs and, barking with at dogs him, barking you know? and he hasn't slept in three days because all he's been listening to is like enter Sandman for four days. You know, it's like, you know, it's that's Good that's tunes, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is this is this is Donna Rumsfeld, and may he rot in hell. You know, um, I he should not be remembered favorably in in any way, right? It really in any way. He's a in a just world, he would be a war criminal and would be in court. Yeah. You know, that's, he shouldn't have died at 88 or whatever the hell he was. No. Nice, nice long life, uh, yep. well taken care of and died in his bed. Um, yeah, it's, you know, he's, he's got a lot of blood on his hands. Um, guess what? Darth Vader himself is still outliving him. Henry Kissinger, you know, oh, know. that dude is still alive. <laughs> he's yeah. still alive. I know. Well, he, he I knows think we should take going. bets. Who's going to die first? Is it going to be Kissinger or Dick Cheney? I don't know. Dick Cheney will probably go first. He looked he pretty so. bad in the Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, yeah. He looked yeah. pretty, pretty rough. Like, like the, the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those that, that regime, they were the worst. I mean, they were, they were horrible. But we, uh, you know, Trump was such a polarizing figure and sounded so terrible. And it was terrible that somehow George W. Bush, like he, he should send Donald Trump flowers. Yeah, absolutely. Really, because absolutely because Donald Trump was just so polarizing that we now are like, oh man, you know, Bush was at least okay to talk, listen to. And right. Which is frightening. Right. But that, yeah. that, that's, that's the problem with this place, man. Like people are not angry and they should be. One other thing I just wanted to mention about Afghanistan is that, like Iraq, um, we propped up those regimes that we then set out to topple, yes. right? So that during the Iran-Iraq war, um, we propped up um, Saddam. Saddam. Yes. The CIA even provided him with targeting information that he ended up using to gas Kurds and so on. So crazy. Uh, and then the argument that he gassed Kurds then becomes a justification because he's a take dictator and should go. Right? <laughs> so, thanks. Um, and then, and then, in terms of uh, Afghanistan, with the Soviet invasion in seventy eight, seventy nine, uh, we start funding uh, the Mujahideen, which are you know this kind of like a global uh, volunteers um, coming to fight. You know, in their view, a holy war against, you know, the, the godless communists. Um, 
And, you know, some of the funding does indeed go to Osama bin Laden and his crew, mm-hmm. right? And then he becomes a problem. And then mm-hmm. the Taliban, who we're supporting, then become a problem. And then we have mm-hmm. to go take them out, mm-hmm. right? And that, that they're, you know, overly, you know, they're too much religious zeal, which was all great when the Soviets were around, is now, now a problem and, you know, becomes a justification for taking them out. Uh, so, you know... This seems to, there's a there's a pattern here, right? We talked about this uh, before with Israel and Hamas, right? That Israelis propped up Hamas when the PLO was their main opponent, and now, you know, now that they've been propped up, Hamas is like, oh, this is why we have to, you know, attack the Palestinians because of Hamas. Um, it's it's a sort of an enemy that is cultivated um, and groomed, quite frankly, by great powers, yes. um, and that ends up. Um, you know, when they're not useful anymore, <laughs> it becomes the justification for ever more violence, right? Mm-hmm. And Donald Rumsfeld was like the human embodiment of that view, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. he, he and, and which is kind of like really terrible, just like ethically. It's like, like how backstabbing are you? Like you like sent me a check yesterday and now you want to kill me, you know? Like, and so the, the, I don't know, it's, it's, it's also like American foreign policy often uses this language about credibility, right? That American credibility has to be, you know, sort of maintained. And usually what that means is bombing, right? Like then we have to show that we're strong. And, and when and what ends meet. up? Yeah, but like what the credibility is like on the, it's actually the policy itself. It's like one day you're funding these people, the next day you're killing these people. How credible are you? You're not credible. And what ends up happening is it makes us look weaker, right? Losing wars doesn't make doesn't put fear, which is what they're going for, right? They want to be the mighty yeah. United States military, which is the most powerful military in the history of the world and probably is. But you're seeing, you know, when, when Trump took over, you're seeing even the European nations, like, they're like, fuck off. Like, the respect is gone. Yeah. Um, I think what when we were growing up, the United States had great influence over a lot of places. Um, and as we're getting older, that's going away. Um, obviously with technology and people being able to kind of, you know, see these truths that you wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be able to find, you know, years ago. It's like, are you talking about Q? Are you talking about Q here? Well, (laughs) sure. Why not? Joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, you can find whatever you want. But like, you know, now you can actually, you can actually find readings about the CIA and the horrible atrocities we've committed from South America to the Middle East. Um, so like, you know, when when Russia and China are hacking our gas lines or whatever, it's like, why are you in an uproar? We're doing that. You don't hear about it, but I promise you, it's happening in their countries, right? And they're not reporting it because they don't want to look weak. So this is not just that we're getting, you know, cyber attacked and just sitting here like what's going on? Like we're actively whatever they're doing us, we're doing times 10. Right. Um, but losing these wars, it's like I, I do feel bad. I feel I feel very bad for actually the people in the military that had to go fight these wars. I feel bad for their families. Um, it was very easy for me to be 21 years old or whatever I was and be pro-war. Uh, but I have friends who fought and. When you hear their stories, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, of um, course. And of most course. of them are most of them are not so happy with that war. Um, but 
but yeah. you, you just you can't help but to reflect back upon it and go there are thousands of families that don't have sons and daughters now husbands fathers because of a stupid fake ass war and it's yeah. brutal and also you know of course the like the absolute losses with the death but then all of the other people who came back in our shells of themselves and they don't you do know, anything you know, for them you dude. know it's the like suicide you know, rate is so, crazy you know like that's like that's like a crazy outcome Ugh. and and should be counted as casualties of war you know yes. it's like yes um you know you're talking about you know how veterans have sort of understood this and like an american decline in a way and it reminds me, I forget when this was published, but it stuck with me. It was like years ago. It was like, I don't know, like 10 years ago now. Um, but it was an op-ed written by a veteran. Um, I think it was on July 4th, maybe, um, maybe 10 years ago or so in the Times. And he was talking about Star Wars. And his whole thing was like, you know, I grew up watching Star Wars. And I like, you know, of course, you love the rebels, right? You want Luke, Luke they're fighting the big bad empire. You, yeah, you want the rebels. You're rooting for the rebels. Amazing. And, you know, I thought when I joined the army, you know, that would be, you know, America. We're like, you know, rebelled against the British and et cetera. And then he said, when I realized when I was patrolling, you know, the Iraqi streets, I was a stormtrooper. <laughs> I was part of the empire, right? Like, and, and, and that, you know, he was just, you know, was one of the sort of sea of the American imperial footprint um, uh, and boot on the neck. And that's kind i think in many ways not you know again it's veterans are a, a politically diverse group um but in many ways at least for these wars um i think there's a big sort of wonder right which is that you know mostly you read any journals of soldiers and stuff like that you know the one thing they're fighting for is their friends right like the person next to them like that in the, of course in, like that's what you that's why people fight right mm -hmm. um and that's you know training and it's human um but in terms of like when they reflect about like broader political objectives, it's it's just like a question mark. Yeah. You know, like that's the answer is just like, why? Like what what was the. Well, they need a lot of a yeah. lot of a lot of veterans. And that's not satisfying. No, I think a lot of veterans, they can't hear that it was a bullshit war. Like, I think the experiences they had over there. I'm are, sure there are were the, people. Probably the realest experiences they have ever had. Right, right. You know? but, but I think there were people that were like like Saddam was a bad guy, right? Like, so you, I think if I would have, which I never, cause I'm a total coward, but if I would have had to go fight, I would probably come back upset with our government, but try to say, yeah, he was a bad guy. And like, I, we maybe saved some lives or, or, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you kind of have to, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of PTSD and depression and unfortunately a high suicide rate. It's, you you send these people there to kill they come home and you don't take care of them and it's like that's the that's the gross gross hypocrisy and that's as big of a crime as invading a place under bullshit uh pretense that we send these people we how dare you criticize you salute the flag you do this but like when the people who like fight literally fight and kill for whatever your ideals of that flag are you, they come home and they're like living horrible lives. And it's a really yeah. disgusting, disgusting truth about America that people need to, to really open their fucking eyes to because it's, it's, a, it's a bad, bad situation.
Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is effectively how, you know, war spills way beyond the battlefield, you know, like like that it sort of ramifies across time and space. The war may be over, but for a lot of people, the war is not over. Um, and uh, whether it's something sort of physically debilitating or mentally debilitating, whatever, it's debilitating. Um, and it's life transforming and, and it's not positive, right? So, so, you know, these are things, again, that we can lay at the feet of our political leadership. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, um, it, both parties are, are effectively pro-war. Um, oh, for sure. You know, um, and and certainly functionally so, right? They may say different things, but they're 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 very much uh, pro-war. Um, but we can, I think, we can then also celebrate um, the death of Donald Rumsfeld, <laughs> right? Like so. it's like like one less maniac with a lot of power to worry about, right? Yeah. You know, he's I'm sure he's got acolytes, so we'll have to worry about them. But but at least he's gone, so that's that's that puts a smile on my face. And I have I have no regrets about saying that at all. Like, no, no, I, no. I don't you feel, should get yourself a cupcake no. and blow a candle yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a celebration. I think that these people should be shamed and punished while they're here. Um, but yeah, these are people that we should only speak about truthfully, which is monsters that we yeah. supported. Um, which, you know, as we've said before, um, I'm very, very pro-draft in this country. Yeah, I don't know why we don't have it. Because if we did... 21 year olds like myself that were pro Afghanistan yeah, would not have think been. twice, right? <laughs> might think twice. And also, yeah. if we do get a conflict, then step up. Why does yeah. it, you step up? Get yourself a gun. Get you, become brave. Go, go, go do it. I mean, that's, you know, it's, uh, you know, the really rich kids still wouldn't have to go, but it would at least unite the middle class and poor around, oh, hell no, we're not yeah. going there. Um, and that's another, you know, that was a very strategic thing to get rid of that draft because oh, yeah. as a po politician, you don't want that. But as a well, citizen, they learned, you should this have is, this is This was the political lesson from Vietnam. Vietnam, yeah. Right, is that don't have a draft. Um, still have the selective surface in case you really need it. But, but, yeah, you know, um, it's there. You know, it's always lurking, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, just, that's, that's, that's what every, every boy gets that on their little, little present from the government on their 18th birthday. We the, should have you know, it. We should, we should, we should all, when we're 18 or, you know, do a semester in college, go have to train in the military like the Israelis do. Like, go, go, go serve for a year. Let's see. Let's see if you want to go to war. Let's go ahead. See if you want to jump out of a plane in the mountains of Afghanistan. You know, like, like, like good luck. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, today's a great day. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. Um, you know, honorable mention. We 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 did say Stacey Abrams should have been the VP, and you are seeing the internal crumbles of a of a moderate democratic conservative democratic machine mm -hmm. that strategically picked their soldiers and mark my words today the 6th of july this story has not even broken this is going to be potentially the downfall of the biden campaign this is this is a bad bad situation with this vp and we were calling it and we justified it because we just wanted to win but we were screaming for Stacey Abrams, who brought you Georgia, who should have been rewarded next to Biden as the next president in four to eight years. But you went with 
the person who there was turmoil coming out of her of of the of her uh, um, organization before she dropped out of the presidential presidential run. And what did you do? Good luck, Democrats. Yeah, get ready for Tom Cotton. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! This is what they want. I swear to God. I think that there's like a, a you know, like in the movies when it's like the big giant round thing in the screens and they've got, you know, the the Chinese dictator, they got Putin, they got all of our politicians like, all right, guys, how you guys doing? Oh my God, how's the family? (laughs) And they just playing jokes on us because this doesn't make, nothing makes any sense. And I'm not quite sure. I'm not as, I'm not as confident that we're winning this. We're, we're staying in, you know, on track to, to keep the Republicans out of that white house. in a couple of years from now, I'm actually getting by the day terrified. Okay. And they're going to so, blame Afghanistan on Biden. Oh my God. Yeah. It's beautiful. Like, well, I know, and, but like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no good way, yeah. you know, the way he withdrew the troops. I don't know. I don't know enough about it, but name me the good way. I'm not sure. He's going to get blamed let, either way. Let, let's just say one thing. Is yeah. that whenever America withdraws troops, they never actually withdraw troops. Hundred um, percent. No, no, we got special ops over there still. That uh, and for a long time, and yeah. and then that that's also official, right? And one thing to remember about both the Iraq War and the Afghanistan War: at any given time, between twenty up to at times forty percent of the troops there were mm-hmm. actually private military contractors. Yep. Yep, black yep. black water sure. types right yep. uh, and that we, doesn't count we this. will now yeah. become the terrorists there <laughs> that's the way it works terrorists for patriotism anyway man there's my little nugget we'll, okay. mo- we'll monitor the situation yeah but we'll, we'll we'll maybe we go i think it's a bad that. bad yeah. situation there yeah um but hey man enjoy your independence day week yeah yeah um, independent of donald rumsfeld independent of donald rumsfeld um but still Bush Cheney and the rest of the wackos yeah. and Ken yeah. Henry Kissinger. There's a, you know, the, 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 the merchants of death. Some yeah. of them are still yeah. alive. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. All right. Um, no politics at the dinner table is produced by Amit Bakash. Tunes by our buddy G. Baderoy. Um, yeah. Check, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, just go to our website. All the, all the other episodes are up there. Amit does a really good job at the newsletter and tell all your friends about it. Yeah, please. All right. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you.